0: Parked up, up in the garage. Wow. This has been coming for a long time. These two do not like each other. There are two parts of the story, as all red flag. This is a suspended uh, race.
1: Welcome back to the Parked Up Podcast. We're powered by Race Fuels. My name is Grant Rowley. And now that Tony D'Alberto has retired, an early retirement from his podcasting duties, I've brought in a very special friend. His name is John Bau. JB. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm great. Thanks, Grant. Uh, yeah, thanks for asking me, mate. This is a, this is another step forward in my technology life, you know, that I've I've seemed to have become involved in over the last few years.
1: Yeah, no, Zoom meetings are the uh, the new way forward. Podcasting is the new way, or a new way to consume some of your information. And yes. to all of our listeners out there, we hope you enjoy the next hour or so because uh, well, not only do I have. JB on board who, who might I say has approximately two more Bathus 1000 wins than Tony Delberto. So that is a nice more. Hey, listen, I've got more second place Bathurst places than Tony Delberto too.
0: <laughs> I've, I've had five or six second places. So, and no one remembers one of those even. So
1: it's oh, very... No,
0: it's damaging
1: unfortunately me and noonan might remember but uh, you're right you're <laughs> right not uh, not the, the vast majority don't don't remember uh no, don't. but uh so not only do we have jb yourself but we've also going to get brad jones your old team boss and teammate on the phone for a, a little bit of a catch yeah up. no that'll be great
0: mate he, he's actually a friend i mean i've known him since he started uh, you know racing formula forward so we still communicate we still catch up occasionally you know, he's. Uh, He's one of the serious survivors of motorsport, as I suppose so am I.
1: Well, uh, we're looking forward to that. I'm sure a couple of old tales uh, to tell. I hope you've done uh, you've done some extra research, uh, taken some notes but uh, unlike myself but that's how no, no I I'm, I'm not a note taker to be honest I'm <laughs> oh. more of a uh, wing it as you go we are cut from the same jib jb that <laughs> is uh, this is going to be a uh, nice good podcasting relationship uh okay so we had uh the perth supercars round over the weekend we've got lots of racing coming up as well formula 1 go to miami we had indy cars on the weekend there was plenty going on of course you can listen to Mark Fogarty's Parked Up Plus, which came out on Monday, all of the latest breaking news. But one of the pieces of news that he didn't have, which I'm sure he's going to talk about real soon, is something that broke on Tuesday evening. The SpeedCafe.coms were the first to the punch. And it turns out that Walkinshaw Andretti United is going to switch from Holden Commodores to Ford Mustangs starting next year as part of the new Gen 3 regulations, JB, this is something that you just would never have picked, especially old ducks like ourselves. This was, uh, WAU was formerly the Holden Racing Team, the absolute hero team. The one that you raced against for so many years, got beaten by, you beat them. If you were beating the lion, then you knew you were in for a pretty good day. And they're switching to the blue oval. What's your take?
0: Well, it's, you know, I mean, I feel
1: it's bizarre.
0: It's it's the way I feel about, you know, the demise of the car manufacturing industry in Australia as well. So having spent all that time, I was racing for Dick Johnson when Holden Racing Team started. Tom Walkinshaw had got the, the deal to build their performance road cars. And you know, it, it became over time a force to be reckoned with. I guess you know, it's just a sign of the times, isn't it? That nothing stays the same forever. It'll be they were dispensed with as the official Holden racing team, weren't they? And that mm-hmm. went to Triple Eight, and I guess rightly so because Triple Eight had massive success in the last decade or so. Uh, and I guess they've. I don't know what to say. Grant. it's crazy. Yeah. It is. It is. It is. It just you know, from my generation, anyway, it's crazy. I don't think the the current fans will care one way or the other, to be honest. Um, because I don't think that it has the same significance that it used to have when the cars were coming down the production line as a as a body shell and built into a racing car. To nowadays, when it's basically you you buy a chassis and a, or build a chassis and you hang panels on it. So it's it's quite, it's very different than it used to be. So be that good or bad, it's not for me to
1: judge. That's right. I think uh, what, what you say there is right. Most of the fans of Walkinshaw might still be left out. There, there could be a bit of old guard left over from the old Holden Racing Team days, the the Mark Scafes and the the uh, Thomas Maziers even, or- Or oh, Peter Brock, you know I mean? And of course, of
0: course. Peter Brock did his last couple of years in in uh, supercars with the Holden Racing Team. So it was, you know, back in those days that was huge news because you know Brock was a Holden uh, pinup boy for want of a better term, and and he sort of fell out with them, and then he he was taken back into the fold. So that was that was big 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 news. You know, Brocky finishing his career in a, in a Holden Racing Team car, but. I don't, uh, you know, hey. I watch watch now with interest the Holden Racing Team because I'm big fan of Chas Mostert as a, as a driver and a bloke. So yeah, anyway, I, I, I don't yeah. know what to think. I don't think it has the same uh, impact that it would have had
1: ten years ago. though. no, oh no. Well, but look, ten years ago what were 2012 and it was the Garth Tanders and James Courtney. And yeah, sure. At that point, they weren't as successful as what we might've seen with, uh, with Brock, with, with Scaife, with Craig Lowndes in the late nineties, but, uh, still very sig- significant, of course, uh, you know, that team forever, or we thought forever would be, Uh, intrinsically linked to Holden or to General Motors and it felt like you know they would just slip into this new generation uh, with Chevrolets or maybe another brand you know there was lots of rumours about Jaguar and other other brands coming in but as it turns out that's not the case. I do remember what it does make me think about is when you and your old mate Dick, Dick Johnson won the 94 Bathurst 1000 I remember picking up motorsport news or an auto action the next the, the next day and the headline on the cover was that dick was threatening or a passing comment or whatever it was but they've turned it into a cover page cover cover page headline <laughs> that uh, dick johnson racing could switch to holdens and of course you know like brock and like Scafe dick was has always been aligned to to ford and the blue oval so you know, as fourteen-year-old myself reading this, I uh, almost fell off my chair and started crying. Of course, it oh, never. Oh, of course, oh, it never no. happened. Of course, it never happened. But um, oh. you know, the the uh, that that back then, you know, if Dick had switched to Holden because Ford weren't giving enough, uh, would have would have been huge. The, this news doesn't as, as impactful as the announcement was yesterday. I think the the entire or no sorry it wasn't an announcement let me say it's not it's not going to be announced until friday but i think in the fullness of time we'll probably become accustomed to this really quickly well
0: i i, I suspect this is how it played out general motors obviously uh, are still interested in supercars and they uh, have a, a, a some sort of an alignment with triple eight i uh, i suspect that uh, Walk and shore people went to General Motors. They've got a quite large tentacles, the, the Walk and business, and and asked General Motors for some money. And General Motors said no. So mm. I suspect that's how it worked. So, you know, I mean, the whole new Gen 3 thing is is brand new. So it, it's not even like you're gonna throw engines away, are you? You're just gonna start again with with fresh, but it'll be interesting because. Kenny McNamara will be doing all the engines for all the cars in General Motors
1: shape. Yep.
0: Yeah. And, and uh, DJR stroke Herod engines will be doing the engines for all the forwards. So Walkinshaw have got a very good reputation for engines. Um, So that, that commercially probably makes quite an impact as well. So Yeah, I wish I was behind the scenes and knew the full story, but I I suspect it comes down to
1: money. Uh, I have absolutely no doubt, which most of the things in our world here in motorsport uh, tend tend to come down to. Uh, Of course, driven
0: by passion, we do it for the love, don't we? Well, we do, yeah. I mean, I I started racing as a kid and I still race and I I race because I love it. There was a period of time when, you know, I, I was paid to race and, uh, and I th- thought, how lucky am I? I'm paid to do what I love. So, you know, things things change. You have your time in, in that professional era. And when we have a motor industry, we, which was, you know, in the 90s, Ford and Holden were huge sellers in this mm. country, Falcon and, and Commodore, I mean. Yep. But we don't even have Holden anymore. I mean, I, that, I think that was even more bizarre than shore switching to a racing of a, a Mustang Silhouette car. Yep. I, Holden just packed up their tents and disappeared. You know, yeah. it's, it, it, I thought that was incredibly strange. Yep. At least Ford have a presence here still, and and still, I would think making a good quit out of it.
1: Yep. Yeah, well, interesting. So, uh, yeah, General Motors, obviously, uh, are, as, as you'd said, are still interested in the sport they're pushing the Chevrolet racing brand pretty hard and i think we're going to see more of that as this year wears on and you know we're not going to have um we're certainly not going to be seeing holden's racing around unless you're watching uh super 2 or the mighty touring car masters series of course jb <laughs> yes but... <laughs> exactly mate
0: i mean uh, we we're, we're, we've become the flag wavers for holdenn't we you know <laughs> i, I right. was a, I was at a motor exit at the weekend with rare spares, and we had my Touring Car Masters car there. And I mean, there's a massive amount of interest in older racing cars. Mm. But that that period in the seventies was was a bit of a golden era for Ford and Holden too, wasn't it? You know, that was it was a Ford and Holden battle back then.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that was really an era that had cemented the. That great rivalry that we that we still continue uh to see today um okay hey jb we thank you so much for coming on parked up real cool to uh to have you on board uh we're going to speak to uh, brad jones uh really soon your old team boss Um, but uh before we get to that of course we had perth supercars over the weekend i have no doubt that you were watching intently when you weren't at motorex but um well, i'm sure i had to uh, come
0: home and watch it at the end of the day right normally i would watch it either live being there or i'd watch it live on on fox but um because of motorex and motorex was a great show um i watched it when i came home so and I, I had a media block out so i didn't even check on who'd won or anything so oh,
1: very good. it
0: was it was pretty interesting racing there's there's one thing that the, you have to say, and I've said for many years, is that the standard of driving is incredibly high in, in supercars, even yep. at the back of the field. When you see, you know, someone of Nick Percat's skill level starting on the back of the grid, it's, it, it is very, very high level stuff. It's it's like motor racing Olympics. Yep. And, you know, that track always throws up some interesting things.
1: Oh yeah! Now a couple of uh, a couple of key interesting things. Both came out of that second race, Sunday's uh, first race. Actually, <laughs> I should say some really good racing over the weekend as well. Nice bits of strategy for the lead of the race between the Shell V Power team and the the Red Bull Red Bull Ampol team. They uh, played different cards. It always seemed to work in. Shane Van Gisbergen's favour, but he is the absolute flavour of the month, Uh, flavour of the year, you might say, Uh, and it looks like he's destined for another uh, supercar's crown. But the two interesting points that have uh, brought a lot of commentary is the Scott Pye and Jack LeBrock incident that we saw on the front straight early in that second race, Uh, and also the Cam Waters and Will Davison pass at that last corner which uh which saw Cam Waters cross the line first but given a 5 second penalty post race which gave Will Davison a race win his first since 2016. Yeah that's uh, bizarre isn't long, it because he's always yeah. he's always been a front runner I mean yeah. I,
0: I know him very well he's he's probably and this could be argued I guess but he's probably the most dedicated single minded racing driver out there he, he has no vision other than his motor racing uh, and uh, you know watching it I, I thought his pass was one of the best passes I've ever seen it was last minute it took cam by surprise he wasn't expecting it because he would have covered it off a bit more if he had expected it and then the fact that cam went round the back of the clearly off off the track so and he appeared in front again was was you know, I thought he got off lightly with a five second penalty, like in my day you would have been driving through the pit lane. So I thought he was, you know, fairly well treated. But I, I see on a lot of social media there's a, quite a lot of opinion about, you know, he he sh- he should have won and that's definitely wrong. <laughs> he yeah. shouldn't have won.
1: No, the officials absolutely made the right call there, certainly ensuring that he wasn't going to win unless there was unless he was able to pull a five second gap, and I tell you, in that field, if he was able to pull a five second gap, then you can probably uh, he probably deserves to win despite <laughs> the crime that he uh, that he that he did. But yeah, um, it's so pretty cut and dry though, and it's a shame that there has been so much anti stewards uh, messaging that we have seen because Cam had turned in, and once they bumped doors, uh, Cam knew that the corn was gone. So. He quickly ran around the outside, and uh, full credit to him for giving it a shot. But um, kind of against the spirit of how uh, how that corner goes. Yeah, well, um, I mean,
0: you know, track limits are track limits, and 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 I've been reading a bit of stuff. I try not to take it too seriously, but there are people that I thought would have known better. You know, they they, they have been quoted as saying, you know, uh, a lot of other blokes were doing it, but the other blokes weren't taken the lead of the race. So it, it, there had to be a penalty. It was, you know, that, that curbing and that corner has been like it for a long, long time. And it's always an issue. I think they should put a concrete fence up there. And then, then if they run wide, they'll run into the fence. Yeah, uh, they won't be running wide very often, that's for sure. that's right,
1: that, Hey, that corner reminds me of the 1995... Australian touring car around there, where you ended up facing backwards after uh, Tony Longhurst had given you a little bit of a shunt, and now this was right off the, the
0: start though.
1: Ah, uh, no, no, it was off the last was corner. It? You ended up in the bank, on, uh, sand trap on the inside There was a sand trap on the inside of the corner. Oh, I don't know, mate. I and can't he, remember. He gave you, he gave you a little bit of a, a little bit of a touch up. And, he loved uh,
0: doing and, He
1: and, loved and, doing that. <laughs> uh, and it was right in the heat of your uh, championship battle, a championship battle that you ultimately won. Um, but I remember little Grant Rowley, big Dick Johnson racing fan, yes. <laughs> sitting on the sideline, and or not on the sideline. Sorry, just sitting back at my home in Sydney, as it was, thinking, "Oh my God, JB's just uh, he's just gonna he's just about to lose the title because of um, because of this."
0: I, I can remember being yeah uh, uh, actually Neil Crompton did it to me once on that corner as well but um, and he's a good friend so. <laughs> but I, I can't remember the Tony Longhurst one I, I can remember getting cleaned up off the start line there I mean when oh, yeah. you've done a lot of races I've done eleven hundred and twenty races or something it's a lot of races you, oh, yeah. even a sharp mind like myself uh, can't remember
1: everything. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we we uh we don't need you to remember everything, but I do need you to remember a couple of key facts about your time with Brad Jones because yes. we're, we're we're about to uh, get him on the line right now. You know what? Let's just bowl into it. We've got Brad Jones. He is with JB and myself, and you are listening to Parked Up, and of course, we are powered by Race Fuels. And it's great to have Brad Jones on the Parked Up podcast with John Bauer, of course, here. Brad, how are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you. (laughs) Awesome. Uh, Of course, uh, when I'd uh, reeled in JB to be my co host and I said, all right, we've got to go find someone, you were the first one at the top of the list. Now, I'm not sure if that's because he's really comfortable with you or. Uh, if he's got a couple of really hard-hitting questions about uh, ah. your former lives together <laughs> as teammates, team owners, employees, I think it might be um, Brad. Let me uh, let me get this uh, conversation going. What was John Bower like to have as uh, as your employee, as your teammate for that era? I think it was between about oh two oh six, I reckon. Yeah, yeah,
2: that's
1: all right. He was.
2: He was. Extremely needy. Oh! <laughs> um, no, he was... Um...
0: <laughs> it was my idea to have you on. Now I'm going to sack you. Let's pull the plug <laughs>
2: That set the tone for the uh, chat, hasn't it? Um, no, honestly, my sports are a funny thing. Um, my dad always told me that it was a great leveler of people and it didn't matter how rich or poor you were. When you when you get strapped in one of those cars, everyone's equal, and and because you're trying to race so hard against each other, it's not that easy to form long-lasting, genuine friendships. And um, but but the one I have with JB has always been like that. And and um, you know e- even though some of the things he's done to me through my career, um, <laughs> I still remain remain friends with him, and he knows exactly what I'm talking about. So so um. Uh, for me, we quickly got one car into, into the supercar field and, and um, understood that we needed two. And so, um, you know, for, for me, he was, uh, I think he was pretty unhappy where he was and, and he was a perfect fit for me. And I think, you know, we were, we were a really strong team together. We, we spent a lot of time. We didn't hide any information from each other. We spent a lot of time with each other. And and I think the results reflect that. You know, we were a pretty hard combination to beat when we got to the mountain. And um, and you know, those it's, it's, it's some of my fondest memories were those those years racing uh, racing with JB. So JB, well, can, so can, sweet of you, mate, can, <laughs> to say <laughs> that. JB, because <So>, because <laughs> I'd come off a pretty crazy time with a couple of teammates that that probably weren't that friendly.
0: Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, I can remember your tail end of your super touring life where. The teammates weren't as obliging as myself, of course. No, but uh, no, we had, I, we had a great time, Grant. Actually, we had a lot of fun together, and we're still friends. So that always is a reflection on I'm not friends with everybody that I raced against.
1: In fact, many. I'm yeah, that's bad, true. I'm bad, <laughs> I'm bad friends with quite a lot of them. <laughs> well, JB, let's uh let's just wind the clock back a little bit. Can you tell us how? The relationship started, or Brad, you might be able to tell us as well. Certainly, from an outsider's point of view, and at the time, I um, I was only just on the cusp of coming into the industry as a as a journalist, so I was only getting all my information from what was happening on the TV or through those uh, dirty old magazines that I ended up going to work for. But um, the the uh, the first time we saw JB hanging out inside a BJR Garage was at the end of the 2001 Bathurst 1000 where JB had, um, how do I say cracked the shits with uh, (laughs) the teammate that he'd had for uh, putting a wobbling move on someone and kind of costing them a shot at um, a reasonable result. And he ended up in the BJR tent cheering on uh, young Bradley Jones trying to chase down uh, Mark Scaife at the end of that race.
0: Yes, I can remember that very uh, clearly and uh, you know the end it, the, the reason I ended up at Brad's racing with him is first of all I was friends with both of them the, the two, two brothers um, but Howard Marston was the boss of Ford Racing then and he was quite keen for me to drive for Brad because I think he had uh, big respect for, for Brad's team and he's, the way he went racing so and it, it turned out quite a lot of fun, really. I mean, the big most memorable thing though that I can remember is walking into the transporter one day when Brad was leaning over, taking his driving suit off.
1: <laughs> oh dear.
0: And that is <laughs> that's still etched on my brain.
2: Well, the thing is, it was my transporter, and the drivers got changed in there, so I figured that anyone <laughs> that walked in, whatever you they happen to see, that was that was their choice. You
0: could have put a sign on the door, though, you know, at least. <laughs> i wouldn't, yeah. have, I wouldn't yeah. have got such a shock
2: <laughs> um we we actually uh did a deal in the hard rock hard rock cafe at the gold coast on a napkin pretty much you know and that's that's just a sign of the relationship we had we shook hands and did a deal and howard had um you know in those days Jeff Polides had had glenn seaton and zero zero and howard had stone brothers and us and they were like those two looked after those two teams, and and um, Howard, you know, to JV's point, was really supportive of us. Liked what he saw, and and tried really hard to um, to give us all the tools we needed to be one of the front running four teams.
0: So Grant, just to to if I can reminisce slightly, so we go to, we go do a little bit of testing, and then we go to the first round in two thousand two at. Um, the Adelaide, the Clipsal race. And because it was a formerly BJR was a one-car team, someone had to pre-qualify. And so Brad made me pre-qualify. At Malala, yes. At Malala, which I was
2: very distressed about. (laughs) But he had done, to to my defence, A, he was fast, B... He spent a lot of time at Gary Cooper's place, so he knew Mel. I like the back of his hand. <laughs> and and I had total confidence that he would he would make it through. JB's a worry So so <laughs> I always knew that he'd get through and and he did.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, and you so guys we- enjoyed a great deal of success over those over those four or five years. You know, certainly uh, the O. Three Bathurst one thousand springs to mind. I think it was O three, or maybe it was O two. Should, sorry, 02 where uh, you guys had qualified um, very, very front, well. Was it front row, mate? And we front should road, have right. should have won that
0: race. You know, like should have, could have, would have. But we had a car and the team that could have won that race, and then it, it had a little component failure. So, but Brad, you know, uh, this stuck row open
2: JB was sorry,
0: the was that the throttle sticking open? I oh, know that was the rod end. You know, you, 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 and Russell. Oh man,
2: that that car was seriously fast, fast, wasn't it? Seriously fast. I don't think I've ever been up there with as fast a car compared no. to the other people. We blew an engine in the first practice session, and normally that's it. You're you're out. And then in the next one, I think um, we had an overheating problem or something, and and I, I went out in in either the second or the third session. And I just could not believe how fast it was. In fact, I passed Russell Lingle around the outside, um, and he was, you know, I'm sure Rusty didn't think many people would do that uh, coming out of the chase. And then he drove into me, and and it damaged the car. But but honestly, that car was so fast that was scary. And then in the race, unfortunately, we had so many things going on. The rose joint didn't get changed on the top arm, and um, I got out of the car. We were leading you. You yeah. drove away from the field, mate. I mean, you, you it was your that's Yeah, I've I mean, done a handful have... of laps and I was literally shitting myself at the start of that race, I couldn't get out of the waterloo loop. And then I finally <laughs> get into the car. <laughs> Do you remember? I finally get in the car, I get a crazy start, and I remember going up the hill and getting on the radio and saying to Phil Curtis, Hey. You see that old guy in the white Aussie male car, man, he can get that thing off the line. <laughs> and he feels like just eyes ahead, eyes ahead. And and what a lot of people don't know is when JB and I went across the top of the mountain in the, on the back of the ute, you know, where you wave to the crowd, fours weren't that popular in those days. And we got booed, really yeah. massively booed all the way across. And I said to JB, you know what? If I'm leading the race on the first lap, I'm going to flip him the bird all the way across the top of the mountain. <laughs> and and I got a really good start. I get up to turn two. I look in the mirror, and I've got like two or three car lengths, and I think Steve and Richards was next in the Kmart car, and then Scape and Murphy. And I had to really make a conscious decision whether to pull my head down and go as fast as I could or whether to flip him the bird. And it, it took me past the cutting to make my mind up that I should <laughs> pull my head down. And I drove as hard as I could, and I didn't look back. And then when I went across the start finish line, if you ever look at a picture of that, the gaps—you know—I've got like a one or a two second lead over the field or more. Yeah, so there's a fun. picture of just our car coming over the start finish line, and there's nothing behind there's it.
0: No, no one else. No, it was. Yeah. It was a very. It was a terrific performance, and <clears throat> the car was good all day except when it broke that rod end, which I, I happened to be in, and it did it at top speed. At the chase,
2: yeah. Which
0: was... and my uh, my dry cleaner knows how I felt about that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, all the uh, Bathurst hard luck stories, and um, and so many more to come. Although Brad, hopefully one day, maybe a uh, a win for your own team in uh, in that great race. I know that's something that you uh you would love to do you currently got four cars you talked about going from one car to two and that was something that you needed when did you decide that you needed to go to four cars that sounds like a massive headache um it just sort of
2: grew i mean um we ended up with three cars because i wanted jason bright to come here and we need to run into the wreck and then if you've got three then you're taking a truck around with an empty spot in it so so we we grew to four so and we've been through all those growing pains you know it's it can be a bit punishing, but but you know we've sort of got it under control now. We have fifty five full time people here at BJR, and um, um, it just you know flows along. It's it's good at the moment.
0: That's incredible. <laughs> you must have been pleased with the the result of the weekend. Was Heimgartner getting on the podium, huh?
2: Yeah, I think <clears throat> you, when when you lose a driver and an engineer, it's it's it can be difficult um and so trying to get that chemistry all working again so you know we've had a few changes internally so tony who did um last year now now does does uh, andre and so so you know we started with the bang in city motorsport park it was really fast but then we um we didn't have a good tasmania or a good grand prix so to bounce back and be back inside the 10 and and um getting a podium was really good it was uh, Great reward for the team. Everyone works pretty hard, and and as they do in all the teams. But it's nice to get a bit of silverware.
0: Yeah, and and you know yourself from a driver's point of view. You know when you switch teams, and he, I always thought he was very underrated. So when you chose him, I thought it was a pretty smart move, to be honest. So time will tell.
2: But that was a fair showing. Well, yeah, and and I feel there's more to come. I mean, Winton's going to be a a tough weekend for us. I don't think we have a great setup there. And while we're talking, I know the engineers are in there trying to work out what to do. But but then we get to Darwin and Townsville and a couple of places where our car is very strong. So you know, hopefully we'll end up with uh, some more trophies. Yeah, I hope so.
0: Um, what about your uh, Gen Three? Do, do, has anyone started building them yet? No. Well, yeah, no, that's not true. Triple Eight have one. And, and so do DJR. Right. Yeah, yeah. I I understand the prototype things, but you know, if you've got to build four cars between now and next early next year, it's going to be a, a battle,
2: isn't it? Oh, yeah. But we'll have all of November to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Always the optimist. Um. Yeah. Look, it's it's at a critical critical timeline moment for us. You know, we need we need chassis, and we need parts, and and so supercars are aware of what's going on, but but things need to start to happen pretty quickly. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough.
1: Is there some sort of timeline um, that we that that supercars are working towards for final for final specs? So you guys know exactly what you've got to play with for next year.
2: Yeah, it was about uh, six months ago. <laughs> right, of course. So so look, they're just going flat out. We, we um, you know, there's been changes to the car. I think, I think there's a number of things on the car that are locked away. So we're expecting to get some information in the next two weeks. And okay. if we do that, then things will be okay. But if it's not forthcoming, then we're going to have problems. So just, um,
0: do you make the chassis? Do you get drawings and you build them, or do you have to buy them?
2: Um, you can do either. We chose, because we were meant to start, the beginning of this year, we chose to buy four SEPI cars to start with. Right. And then we're going to start manufacturing them. Um, we do all our own stuff currently. Yeah. So um, we will go back to doing our own stuff. It depends, I hear it's a very complex um, chassis. So, but I'm, I'm, I am haven't seen one stripped down, so I don't really know. But it seems for
0: us to do it. I have only seen pictures of it, but it looks very complex, yes. So,
1: so the so the plan then for you, Brad, is to buy four Sepi cars, and then from then you'll uh, build your own.
2: Yeah, we'll do our own front and rear clips, and then we'll you know ultimately I would like you know we're a one-stop shop, so ultimately I'd like to bring it back in house, which is the intention. But we've got so many arms and bits, little bits to manufacture that I felt taking the chassis build, which will be you know first one will be six or eight weeks or three months maybe it'll be long um better to take that out of the place to start with and just i know how hard it was when we had to do this with our current cars so i needed to um try and take a bit of pressure off the fabrication shop here at vjr very exciting well
1: it's exciting exciting new era to uh to come the cars uh, are going to look great. How are they going to race, though? What's what's your take? We saw a couple of them having a little uh, TV dice, I guess you might say, down at uh, Simmons Plains, which was entertaining enough. I don't know how Jesse Yates felt, though, being so close behind the uh, rear of another car in a simulated race, but uh, how do you think the uh, the entertainment factor is going to be impacted with, with these new cars? Uh, it's hard to know. Uh, I,
2: I mean... I think the racing will be fine. You know, we've had lots of changes over the years to the category, and we've always ended up having, by and large, good racing. So I don't see how that will change. I mean, the cars are meant to have a bit less downforce and more horsepower. That won't be a bad thing. Um, is it going to be significantly different? Probably not so much. So I think, I think we'll. You know, you have good races and you have bad races, and won't be any different. But the good thing is we're gonna have current looking cars and they sound great and they, they look the business. And I think that's a really important part going forward of what we need to stick with. Mm. Cool. Yeah, no, Perfect. I think
0: they look, uh, they, I've only seen them, you know, when they've turned up to do demos and things, they look good though, they do look good. And it seems to me being a bit of a downforce expert, I think that the current cars have got too much.
2: You're a downforce expert, AJB. you, My no, word, I am, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what they really need is a tyre that doesn't get heat affected on grip, and they need to run that on the front of the car because that will make a bigger difference about being able to race around someone than, than pulling all the aero off because you're still going to have the problem where you overheat the front tyres. I think that's what I'm. That's, that's what yeah,
0: I'm, I find that interesting you say that because. I, I didn't, in my time, I didn't think we had overheating front tires.
2: No, but they, that's a problem with the cars now. And they've got a little bit more downforce. But, I mean, Dunlop can make anything. So, so I feel at some point it's worth an experiment, you know, that, that if you can generate a tyre that, that is a little less heat affected and you can run close to someone and, and 10 degrees doesn't make a difference to it, then you're going to be able to badge the back of them. You do that now and you stay there for four or five laps, you're gone.
0: Yeah, yeah but, but why wasn't that in, in our time, say, then? Why, why wasn't the tyre heat affected so badly then? I
2: mean, we always battled with rear tyre grip. Because a lot of the material that they had in the tyres when you and I were racing is carcinogenic and they're not allowed to put in tyres anymore. So what you see now is very okay. different to what you had back in the day. It's like a wet tyre. You used to have to scrub the skin off it and, and have it sitting there so it wasn't too slippery. As yeah. soon as you put a wet tyre on a car now and get the get the skin off it, it starts to deteriorate. So it's got nothing in there to keep it... All right. To hold it strong. Yeah, okay. Oh, that's a good answer. I,
0: I should have called you about two years ago and asked that question. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I mean, that's just my opinion. That's not based on on Being an expert, that's
0: no. that's yeah, often, I, you know, I mean, I, I of course, I, when I'm not at the track, I watch the, and, and I've heard the comments about you know, overheated front tyres and things, so I, I couldn't quite figure out why, but yeah,
2: you yeah. know, if, if you look, it's an interest, tyres are such an important part of what we do. If you look back and think about Formula One, the best racing they had was when they had a tyre that didn't really suit the category. And so, you know, unfortunately, at Brands Hatch, they all flew apart. And then, you know, folks that, that, like Adrian Newey, complained so much, they put a tire that was more suited in the car. So they went from having someone in the Williams that could win a race and turning up on a race weekend and never knowing who was gonna win because you couldn't maximize the car, tires are what was maximized. Um, And then it became boring again for a few years until Michael Massey became the race director. so, so, you know, tyres are such an important part of entertainment and racing, and they've got a great partner in Dunlop. Um, but I, you know, I think I think maybe a little bit more can be done.
0: Well, I mean, I think the easiest thing to do would be to make them wider. If 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 what you say is right, and I'm not saying it's not right, you're you're at the coalface. I'm just a TV watcher. Um, the 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 tyres are not very big for a car that size, horsepower, and weight. So That's right. And
2: and also remember, you don't have a steer tyre and a drive tyre. You yeah. have one tyre that does a whole lot. When when we were racing, a lot of the time we had steer tyres, so they're made for the front, and we had drive tyres.
0: Wow. So, yeah, but as soon as Dunlop got the – I mean, when Bridgestone got the control tyre thing, which was yeah, – that was the end of it. 99, we all used the same tyre front and rear, and then Dunlop got the, the deal. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're building a new car, you're going to have new tyres. Why don't make the wheels 13 inches wide?
2: Well, you've got to buy all the tyres. So, you know, the tyres, the rim, sorry, you've got to buy all the rims. So each team has to buy 40 rims per uh-huh. car. So, you know, I've got to buy at least 160.
0: That's what I mean. You know, like you're going to have to, you have to replace your wheels anyway. That's right. Why not make them wider?
2: Yeah, well, I
0: don't know.
1: Me either. I, I feel like I've sort of just jumped into a uh, conversation that you guys would have just been having regularly at the track sitting down JB pinching uh, a sandwich out of your uh, out of your tent there and a drink c- catering tent and a drink of course. Oh. Um, uh, okay, let me uh, let me just bookend and appreciate the uh, the excellent insight there for for Gen Three and everything tires. I'll make sure Kevy Fitzsimmons uh, gets a, a copy of this so he can uh, oh, right. so he can take some notes. Um, but let me just bookend this uh, this chat with uh, we started by saying how uh, asking how JB came to be a part of BJR back in the uh, Hard Rock Cafe at the Gold Coast. Let me ask, how did it end? Nothing lasts uh, forever, of course. No, <laughs> nothing lasts forever. I,
0: uh, I, thought it was Andrew was coming along, and I was <laughs> thinking about that. I probably should stop, and I thought it was it created a good opportunity for Andy to have a, to, a run, and I had somewhere else to go, which unfortunately didn't turn out to be what I thought it was going to be. But it was we we've never fallen out ever, have we, Bradley?
2: No, we've always. Been, I don't think we've ever had an argument, really. No. Um, and and uh, that's very true. JB said, you know, um, Jones is coming along. He um, he'll need a spot here. I'll go and find something else, and that's pretty much what
0: he did. He did, and and Andy done a great job in the Super Two thing. And you know, it was uh, anyway. It just was one of those things. It's it's the same as the reason I left Dick Johnson. I left Dick Johnson to give Stephen a chance, but then Shell didn't want him in that particular year, so. Paul Radisic ended up in the car, but you know.
2: As it <laughs> turns out, we would have been better off with me retiring.
0: Would have been better off with what,
2: mate? Me retiring. Me, me stopping.
0: No. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Your name I mean, was above yeah. the door. Yeah, but that doesn't mean I should be driving the car. It's still above the door. The only thing I drive here is a hard bargain.
1: <laughs>
2: right.
0: Okay. Oh, I, I don't, I don't think. There is a, a school of thought that thinks everybody that's over 40 now should retire from racing. So I, I don't believe that, you know.
2: So, JB, just quickly before we finish, are yeah. they all pictures of you behind you? I see you said Jimmy Clark in that Lotus. Jimmy Clark, yes. And that's you in the yellow thing up the top, where? There's
0: a, me in most of them.
2: It's, it's kind of like a
0: shrine, you know, you used to have. I don't yeah. know, you have been to your place for a long time, but used to be surrounded by trophies you used to be yeah but that's at work I don't have
2: anything in my house oh well I mean
0: I call it a mini shrine
2: that are you see the? the, can you see the poster behind me yes I can I and where yeah so I went to a I went to a car club night here in Albury and that and not that poster but one one of its brothers or sisters I had on my wall as a kid when I was about 11 and okay. so I walked in and they had all these big posters around the place. And so I, um, I said to the guy, Rob Waldman, who I grew up with, Hey, Rob, I love that poster. Um, it was in mint condition. Where'd you get that from? He goes, Oh, the club's got them. So I said, I don't really like that. I had that on my wall when I was a kid. So he said, I've got another one here, but it's a bit, it's, it's got a bit of few marks on it. So he pulled it out and I said, Oh, great. Um, what's the deal with that? And he said, well, let me see David West, who's a, he, is the president and uh, see what we do. So Dave walks over and I said, hey, I want this poster. And um, he said, oh, it's an auction night. So if you want to like, you know, offer us something for it or, and I said, what, like all those used panels over there that you're selling tonight at auction of my cars, that, that sort of thing. Anyway, went, Here, have the poster. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of knew where it was going to end. <laughs>
0: and
2: there it is. But see, Jane McEwen Harvey, man, sharp, manicus.
0: Yeah. yeah. You a, know, uh, the beauty. McEwan, Jim McEwen's still around, you know. Yeah, I know. I know yeah. not
2: many of the others are, but he's no. still
0: pretty sharp, too, I think. I believe so. Yeah, I haven't seen him for a long time. But it's like uh, I saw yesterday that John Goss just turned 80. One of
2: yeah. Tasmania's, you know. Do uh, you, you reckon he still drives around in one of those John Cost <laughs> special XPs?
0: <laughs> They're worth a quid there, you know. They're worth, I think there was one at Gray's auction uh, recently. It was, you know, 80, 100 grand
2: something. Something <laughs> ridiculous. Wow. Yeah, that is ridiculous. <laughs> and
1: uh, cool, boys. Well, thank you very much, Bradley, for uh, coming on What's here. Can I get you to take a photo of that Hume we... Uh, poster so uh, some of our uh, listeners can uh, can can see what it's about so they'll know yeah, exactly let's... what you're talking about. Okay, up okay up I'll take start. a photo and I'll send it to you. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for joining us on Parked Up. Uh, we'll see you at Winton in a couple of weeks' time. You will. Thanks for the chat, fellas. And we thank Brad Jones for coming on the Parked Up podcast. Of course, we're powered by Race Fuels. JB, that was cool to uh, catch up with. Bradley, and um, there was a lot of chat on uh, tires there, but not usually the tire chat that you generally have, um, you know, post a race weekend or or whatever. That was there was some, you know, I guess pie in the sky sort of stuff. None of it can actually happen for 2023 Gen well, it was 3. A, it was
0: a different. Grant, it was a different. It's something that I I actually wanted to know. I suppose I could have rang him up sometime.
1: Hey, share it. ask him, but share it with all of our listeners. It's fine. It, yeah,
0: it just came into my head, and and it's an interesting—I'm uh, I mean, sure it's correct—an interesting theory that the, you know, the front tires overheat in the current cars, and I can't see why they wouldn't overheat in the new cars. So, it'll be, you know—if that's the case, that's what stops passing opportunities,
1: mm. not, um, not the downforce. That's right. Well, uh, more passing, the uh, more passing, the better they might say, although uh, I guess you were renowned for uh, not being very easy to pass. Do you think in your touring car masters career these days, do you consider yourself also quite difficult to pass?
0: Depends how I'm feeling at the time. Um, (laughs) I'm I'm certainly quite capable of keeping cars behind me. Uh, I, I race now more for fun. So I don't, play quite as hardball but i i'm capable of it it depends on who who i'm racing with and what i think of them
1: <laughs> <laughs> very good and look we do not want that to change um hey uh earlier this uh just on the weekend just gone while uh, the perth uh, was hosting supercars you were at motorx here in melbourne with your good friends at rare spares uh you got to meet lots of uh meet lots of people you show you said earlier you showed off your TCM car just for some of those who might not know, tell us what Motor X is about. Well
0: Motor X is uh it's essentially the last two years it's been on hold, but it's it's a, a car show for essentially custom cars. So it's a bit like summer Nets, Nets without the streetcar type things. It's yep. it's in the Melbourne showground and in different pavilions, and some of the cars are truly works of art, they are, but there's, there's lots of different sections, there's, there's real street cars, there's show cars, in fact um, uh, people that are interested in motorsport that are listening to us would remember keys Wheel and uh, he's part of the PWR, you know cooling systems family key started the, the, uh, the firm a long time ago he had his show car there was a, a, a 34 Chev truck or something, coupe or something. I, I don't know what it was, to be honest. I didn't see it because I couldn't get there. But uh, it was the most beautiful thing from photographs. So people that are into cars, there's all different sort of flavours of car people. And this was a show car event. And spares make a lot of things for Australian cars. So they have a, quite a presence there. I've been an ambassador for Rare spares for 15 or 16 years now. So it's a long, long involvement. And I I could honestly say without them, three quarters of our Aussie cars that are on the road now wouldn't be on the road. They make the most amazing array of parts Mm. for restorations. So I met some
1: great people, really good, fun car loving people. So it was good. Great. Okay. So out of all these cool cars that people have, Made, I guess, mostly custom. Yeah. Um, what was uh, what was your pick of the bunch?
0: Well, i my. Uh, what's the word? My favourite, or, or my way, of liking cars is more originality than custom. So there were cars there. That there was a, a for instance, a, an X, Y GT Falcon. That a, a doctor had bought new which was 1971 and deleted all the stripes on it so it looked like a white falcon to to the untrained eye so he did it had been delete stripes as a as a factory thing so whoever bought it the doctor didn't want people to think he drove a gt falcon right so uh, something like that and it was immaculate mint condition things like that i loved Uh, it was a beautiful c two sixty six Corvette soft top convertible which was beautiful British Racing green metallic and tan trim and I I love that sort of stuff. It's not that I don't appreciate the custom cars because I appreciate the amount of work and effort and artistry that goes into them but I I like cars as they were you know rather than something that's someone's dream.
1: I thought if you bought a Falcon GT you'd definitely want the stripes on there, like that, would be part of. Part <laughs> well, I of think the, most uh, people did. I have never seen one without the stripes, but
0: this was, you know, it had a. People have boards and quite a nice story to it, and it, and it was ordered by a doctor in Q. And he deleted the stripes, so it looked, you know, basically like a white Falcon sedan. You know, right. to the to the trained eye, you could tell it had GT wheels and all that sort of stuff, but. And there was another one in the, another pavilion, another, once again, a Falcon, uh, that was a GTHO Phase 3, the very last one built, and it was built for a Ford executive. So, Penny, anybody that knows how Ford works, if you work at Ford, you can have a, you know, and your station in life is, is a car supplied, you can order whatever you want. And in those days, this guy, whoever it was, ordered a, phase three with a vinyl roof, which <laughs> it looks like bizarre. Yeah, But it was the very last phase three ever made and it, and it had a factory vinyl roof on it.
1: Cool, well, nothing like being an original. That is uh, yes, the moral it? of that story.
0: Well, yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah, JB- so we, we, we had a lot of uh, interest in our TCM car and a lot of people are interested in TCM racing. So, which is good. Good for me, good for the other guys in the category. Yep. Uh, hopefully we can now, COVID's over or not over, but it's we're getting back to some sort of normality. We can get some of the boys to get their cars out of the, the
1: sheds and come and race them. Have you avoided that uh, filthy little virus that we've all been hiding from for the past couple of years?
0: No, no, I've had it. Uh, yeah, I've had it. I,
1: in fact, I hardly know anybody that hasn't had it. Mm. You haven't had it? Yeah, no, no, I had it. I yeah. think I had it. I couldn't get a rat to confirm that I had it, but I was laid up for a couple of days thinking this isn't how I usually feel.
0: Yeah, I was a bit the same. It was like a bad, a bad cold, basically, a bit of coughing, mm. but it wasn't terrible.
1: We have yeah. uh, we have survived. We have survived on to, to fight another day. Uh, okay, so yeah, so look, next time we see you out on the track, we are at Sydney Motorsport Park for the next round of the Speed Series. Of course, you'll catch it all on Stan Sport, and you'll be in with Touring Car Masters. There's TCR, there S five thousand. Jesus, the uh, there's like seven or eight categories there. Have they got anything? track? G- to, track GT are there are they? Nah, no, no GT because it's the week. It's only two weeks after the Bathurst 1000, oh, uh, sorry, cool. the but... Bathurst 12 hour. Yes. Okay. So a uh, bit of a tight turnaround there for them to squeeze that in, but they've got uh, Porsche Michelin sprint challenge. I think radicals are there as well. It's a, yeah. uh, she's a pretty stacked old um, grid. And I think you've got, uh, you've got some nighttime quality again on that Friday night. You might even have a bit of a twilight race on, Potentially on Saturday as well. I I haven't uh, looked too closely at the schedule, but anyway, hey, back to back to Sydney Motorsport Park is. Um, uh, are you on for a winning uh, a winning twenty twenty two season? Are you are going to defend the crown. Well, I mean, I try to. It, it's
0: it's not like if I win or I don't win doesn't change my life. Uh, but I love to go racing, you know, and and those cars are challenging to drive. Um, they have a good following so in terms of giving your sponsors and partners some coverage it's possible to do so and you know I mean if I can win I win of course I do but if I can't I can't. The main part of it is I I just love being there and driving you know that it's a good little car Bendigo, Gary O'Brien built the car Bendigo retro muscle cars it's six years ago and he still looks after it with his little team. It's it's lovely little car. I, I'd love to build a new one. A, a new. I'd like to build an XC coupe. You know those Cobras that. Yep. I'd love to build one of those. So if anyone's listening to this and they've got a few hundred thousand that they're not doing anything with. Yep. uh, They can own the car. I don't necessarily want to own it, but I'd just like like to build one because I love those cars. So yes. it's sort of like the Moffat Bond era.
1: Yes, that would be that would be really cool. That yeah, that's what idea. I
0: think. So you know, if you're out there and you've just won Ted's Lotto, give us a call. <laughs> right. we can we can help you spend it.
1: Slide into parked Up's DMs and we'll uh, we'll link you up. Uh yes. that is no no problem at all. Uh, that would be really cool to see an next out uh, in in touring car masters. Of course, it uh, remains wildly uh, popular. Uh, amongst the fans, and uh, always look forward to seeing seeing them out on track. I don't think you haven't got Stevie J, Stevie J to race against uh, for Sydney. I think he's um, he's not going to be. Uh, I don't think he's going to be there. Last time I spoke to him, just with because uh, a lot of a uh, lot of focus on Jet Johnson now. Uh, with yes, I that but- with his Trans Am deal, but I don't, I don't think he's. I sincerely hope between the last time I spoke to him and Sydney, which again is still, uh, we've got a lot of sleeps to go before we get to oh, the yeah. three, three,
0: three weeks to go, but um, I hope he is. He's one of the best drivers out there. And, and, you know, I mean, I'm very fond of him as as I am He's, the rest of his family. Um, I spent a lot of time with Dick Johnson Racing and, you know, we are still friends. So, and I love racing against Stevie J because he's he's a terrific driver, always has been. Yeah. So I hope he is going to be there. Um, that car is like, you know, next level. It's a work of art.
1: Yeah. Hey, imagine what you could do with the uh, with the right partner and an XC Falcon. You could uh, you could make a, a a piece of art yourself.
0: Yes, you could. Yeah, absolutely. The biggest issue in a lot of cases uh, is you've got to find the body they're made out of proper cars, so finding a two-door body shell that's in good condition is not easy. Uh, and I, because of you know my relationship with Gray's auctions, you know they they get amazing prices for cars that you know five years ago you wouldn't have even given a second glance to. Mm. So I don't think it's
1: going to happen, Grant. But I would love to do it. You know, it's one of, it's one of those wish things. Cool, mate. All right. Okay, mate. right. Let's thank wrap you. it up. Thank, uh, We thank you, JB. We thank everyone for listening. Follow us on all the social media stuff. And you can follow JB, of course, on, on Facebook as well. Uh, but until next time, we'll have a new special guest for next week, someone else to talk to. Plenty of news, of course, on Parked Up Plus with Mark Fogarty. That's out every Monday at 5 p.m. I'm Grant Rowley, and we'll see you next time.
2: You've just listened to another Network R production.